Good evening, everyone, and sorry about the very delayed episode. I was exposed to COVID a couple weeks back, which totally screwed up my schedule, and then the holidays hit. Luckily, everyone is fine, and things are pretty much back to normal. And so, this week, we're going to talk about some continued research into pain relief that will lead to a few alternatives to drugs, specifically electrotherapy and surgery. As opioids fell out of favor in the late 1800s, alternatives were needed, and these filled at least some of that void. You may recall from the first episode of the season that ancient physicians were placing electric eels on patients to relieve their pain. However, this procedure is a bit inconsistent due to its fishy nature. It is pretty hard to operate a fish to output a precise amount of electricity in a certain spot or at a certain time. Luckily, the discovery of electricity in the Leyden jar, a simple way to store and release electrical charge, made it possible in the late 1700s to deliver electricity to a patient in a more controlled manner. This spurred more interest in the usage of electricity for medicine, and even this early, a few people became serious advocates for the use of electricity in therapy, including John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, which I just found interesting. However, our understanding of how or why electricity could be helpful was pretty rough. Alessandro Volta, a prominent Italian scientist of the late 1700s and early 1800s, proved that electricity could be generated without living things by creating one of the first batteries, and he also showed that electricity powered nerves and muscles in the body. This prompted even more excitement in the area, and in the mid-1800s, electrotherapy was in use for relief of all kinds of medical pain. A dentist named Francis passed electricity through a tooth as he was pulling it, and reported 164 tooth extractions with lessened pain using this method. An American named W.G. Oliver tried electrotherapy while doing surgery by wrapping wet bandages with copper wire around the patient's leg to provide the electricity and was able to remove tissue from an ulcer without much pain. Meanwhile, across the pond, a physician named Julius Althaus figured out that you could apply electricity to the skin to affect peripheral nerves and prevent pain. He would start by attaching a conductor to the skin and then slowly increase the amount of current over a few minutes until it forced the underlying muscles to contract. This at first would hurt, as you can imagine, but then the pain would begin to fade until even large electric shocks would no longer hurt at all, and patients would report they couldn't feel anything. It must have been a pretty surreal experience for patients, having their muscles forced to clench and then feeling their body slowly go numb. There were a lot of pioneers exploring the use of electricity in this time, clearly, who are frankly too numerous to list without really boring you, but you can read more about it in the sources for this episode if you wish. Point is, the late 1700s and 1800s were a high point for scientists and doctors studying the application of electricity in pain relief, among other things, which is a lot earlier than I personally would have guessed before making this episode. Unfortunately, even with the new technology of the time period, results were somewhat mixed, and so while many people experimented, by the late 1800s electricity in medicine saw a lot less use. That's not to say no one was using electricity to treat patients, a few doctors were still at it for amputations, for example, but they were in the minority. And so we come to what we call ablative procedures, or procedures where tissue is removed for medical reasons, in this case, pain treatment. 
While electricity was being explored for treating pain in the 1700s and early 1800s, ablative surgeries weren't really in use for this. There's a lot of good reasons for that. As you may recall from our surgery episodes, before this time period there wasn't really anesthesia or antiseptic techniques, which made surgery very dangerous and very painful. Shocking your patients was a lot less risky than cutting into their head or surgery, at least back in the 1700s, and so ablative procedures for pain didn't see much use until these vital tools for safer surgery came along. In the late 1800s, scientists and doctors discovered a lot about how nerves worked, and also now had the tools to operate on them much more safely. In 1888, the first chairman of neurology at Cornell suggested a procedure called a posterior rhizotomy. A rhizotomy is a surgery where problematic nerve roots in the spinal cord are purposefully destroyed. The idea is that the nerves, of course, transfer information about pain, and that certain nerves may be malfunctioning and therefore causing pain. By damaging the nerves responsible for bringing that signal back to the brain, you may be able to stop that signal and prevent the pain entirely. While damaging nerves in your spine may sound pretty extreme at first glance, consider that some people suffer from severe and chronic pain, to the point where it would interfere with their lives significantly. A surgical intervention, and even the risk of nerve damage, seems much more worth it in that context. There were a number of surgeons who began performing these rhizotomies, including Bennett and Abbe, a British and American surgeon respectively. Bennett's rhizotomy patient was a man with an amputated leg, which still continued to hurt constantly and seriously. The surgeries were successful in reducing his pain, but unfortunately he died of a brain hemorrhage shortly after his surgery. Abbe's patient was a 43-year-old man who had chronic pain in his arm, and had been treated with nerve stretching, removal of nerves, and even amputation of said arm. Imagine pain so bad that you are willing to have the limb chopped off entirely, which still did not resolve this poor man's pain. Abbe did two rhizotomies, and the man finally experienced some much-deserved pain relief. This kick-started a widespread interest in surgical interventions to stop pain, and for a while during the early 20th century, surgery for pain relief was a fairly popular option, with new types of surgeries and small improvements being invented in this time period. Unfortunately, while these surgeries and procedures had their uses, they did not always work. And of course, a surgery is a fairly big deal. Surgeries that involve purposefully destroying nerves are an especially big deal, with possible complications including reduced feeling in the affected areas, worsened bladder control, paralysis in extreme cases, and of course, all of the usual hazards of surgery like infection. That said, neurosurgery did provide an option for pain relief that avoided opiate drugs and their dangers, which may have been a factor in its rise. That's it for this week. Next week, we'll talk about some research on pain that happens in the mid-1900s and a shift in how pain was described and understood that owes much to the work of one William K. Livingston. As always, thanks for listening, and always feel free to let me know what you think with the links in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Jojo Tang for editing, Angie Lee for our cover art, and Muse Open for this music. <laughs>